0: Yeah, I'll uh, start editing the old ones and kicking those to you, and then maybe every two weeks we can just drop one. Oh, that sounds great! And then you know we'll just have this, you know, so that if you get way late at work, or you know I'm in a fire or anything like that, <laughs> uh, we can we can fix it that way. Yeah cool man um and if you ever want to record at your place with that little thing uh that little recorder of yours we can totally do that i mean it you know gave us pretty good sound i don't know why i've got npr voice today though. (laughs) that's kind of weird you know hey everybody welcome back to refried reviews is that your hangover voice (laughs) it it is my hangover voice i mean the people who listen to this podcast got to be pretty used to my hangover voice at this point like i don't know if i have ever made it to a sunday since i moved to la without feeling a little bit rough like yeah it's, I am, I'm not how you should live,
1: everybody <laughs> uh, Yeah, I know how hydrated I'm supposed to be And I know <laughs> I'm not there No,
0: no, we have, we have not achieved that, you guys uh, Anyway, um, I'm John, JP came over Howdy Yeah, and uh, we, uh, as we promised, we watched uh, Spinal Tap um, again Because we don't watch things <laughs> for the first time on this show It's kind of the deal, you probably know that by now um but yeah it's a kick-ass movie really the thing that stuck out for me um watching it again before we dive too far into it is just the amount of care behind just everything in this movie Mm -hmm. i had it in my head you know that i was going to be watching something very kind of slight and like it in my head it just sort of uh, my memories of it were that it was kind of tossed off Mm -hmm. um yeah i was wrong like i think it's to the film's credit that it takes such pains to feel effortless I
1: I do remember, like, uh, I I have a long, strange history with this movie, where uh, it was sort of in the video store back when that was a thing. Yeah. And I would see it when I was really, really young, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, And just the, uh, like, I was sort of mystified by this mysterious cover, and, you know, it looked like something adult that I shouldn't see or whatever at the time. Yeah. And then uh, I, I didn't understand that it was a comedy really when I was younger and then when I finally rented it when I was in high school, I still I, I knew that it wasn't a hundred percent real, but I was still yeah. sort of thrown off by the improv style and stuff where like uh you know the the driver is trying to tell them about Sammy Davis Jr. Like yeah. and it has that that weird feeling to it, like where it doesn't seem like a scripted scene. Yeah. But enough ridiculous stuff happened where I knew it wasn't a real story. So, like, the the whole thing really just sort of threw me off guard when I first saw it. Yeah. Obviously, before any of the other uh, Christopher Guest movies and stuff where yeah, I yeah. understood what was going on. Yeah, I mean, this this was the, the proto-Christopher Guest thing. Um, I mean, did he write it, too, or...? I think he and Michael McKean did most of the sort of coming up with a band backstory and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, Christopher Guest didn't direct until later. Direct
0: it. um, which was, I think his first thing he ever directed was a spinal tap. Oh, was it? Yeah. Nice. Good on you, Rob Reiner. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Strong start. Carl DeBergi or whatever his name is in the movie. (laughs) Marty. Um. Marty DeBergi. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I remember like when I was a kid, you know, I was aware of Spinal Tap before I was aware of this movie. This is Spinal Tap. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that there was a band out there and I think I knew they were a joke because my first memory of Spinal Tap was them on The Simpsons.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that was... That uh, um, throws things out of whack too, and I'm like, I don't know what this thing is. Yeah, like they were on The Simpsons. Celebrities are on The Simpsons, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um,
0: but yeah, it. Uh, and then I, the first time I saw it, actually, the uh, the Dollar Cinema in my hometown um started uh doing midnight screenings on saturdays at some point. And so I would go in high school uh to these midnight showings of stuff and that's how I saw Reservoir Dogs um oh, wow. on a print that broke um, <laughs> in the middle of it. And like the local classic rock station hosted all these, which is weirdly perfect. Um <laughs> but yeah they uh they did Spinal tap and I remember I I, I won a copy of the Spinal Tap soundtrack and uh yeah it was really really cool and i got to sit through this whole thing and that like on the big screen seeing you know and not even like a little art house movie big screen like a giant ass multiplex big screen seeing spinal tap and going oh my god like this this is the weirdest funniest thing piece of comedy i think i think i had actually seen up to that point mm-hmm. i mean my comedy experience before that was mainly just being a 15 year old and thinking that like holy grail was the most amazing thing i'd ever seen <laughs> yeah everybody at my school had a big old boner for monty python holy grail like, well they should yeah no it's good i mean i don't really laugh at it anymore but that's <laughs> mainly due to overexposure um not anything else mm-hmm. um but this was like you know just just kind of perfect for when it hit me it was also when i was really really into playing guitar you know i was playing in bands and everything and i was like oh my god there's a movie just for me you know <laughs> that
1: felt really cool yeah, um, and
0: it is cool that they actually are performing the music and yeah. so they each of those guys they are playing their parts and everything
1: yeah as far as i know definitely mm-hmm. uh the the three main guys yeah mm-hmm. yeah even like is christopher guest actually playing those guitar solos i'm not positive but i know that they're all musicians and they wrote that music and i mean they tour with those songs so i would assume so
0: that's true damn guys (laughs) you guys freaking rock yeah that's the coolest um yeah and they i guess they all met each other like working on sctv which i've never have you ever seen sctv i've never seen it bits and pieces i've never like sat down and watched an episode i really want to sit through one of the things uh like a whole thing at some point like maybe you know eight or nine episodes because i mean so many guys came through that and you know the the contrarian in me likes that that sctv happened and sort of punctured a hole in the saturday night live you know mythos Mm -hmm. in that like you know it was just sort of this other thing happening over here and everybody likes to talk about saturday night live as being like the thing that you know broke you know this new young kind of edgy kind of comedy in the 70s and you know i guess in the general population that seems to be the perception but then you know for us nerds over here it's like
1: no man there was sctv there's this other thing <laughs> well didn't didn't sctv not have a live audience it did not it so was a, it sort of fostered the different styles of of sketch comedy of like if you're pandering or if it's more like editing jokes and things
0: yeah because it was about like the conceit was that it was a fictional tv station in canada um and like they were these were the different shows that were on that station it's basically the idea behind it like i said i haven't seen it i (laughs) just UHH read about it uhf-ish kind (laughs) of yeah it's kind of (laughs) uhf-ish um uh, uh, but i mean you got john candy you got martin short you got uh harold Ramis, rick moranis um you know uh, everybody and their dog went through there at some point including christopher guest and harry sure like half the people in the guest movies yeah absolutely um but yeah they uh i don't know where they picked up rob reiner though that is a random addition to this crew (laughs) like i don't know where here comes fucking meathead um (laughs) deciding he's gonna direct a thing and being really good at it yeah like you know the whole thing feels really documentarian um there is a moment that i want to talk about towards the end of the movie that kind of breaks that and that's an interesting choice that they make Mm -hmm. but um yeah anyway uh i guess the, the the first thing um i guess that we start on in the movie is you know just a performance and kind of getting background on the band Mm -hmm. it's kind of tough to like find a real narrative thread until like 15 20 minutes in Mm -hmm. like there's a whole lot of story told through illusion you know uh and sort of picking up the fact that like they aren't really a priority for their label um you know that everybody's kind of starting out more optimistic about this new spinal tap record because that's the idea is they're touring in support of a new album right um and then as they go um it gets clearer and clearer that no one gives a shit about spinal tap (laughs) excuse me except the japanese you learn at the end (laughs) Um, and that's like the good news that you get
1: um but anyway um well since since they're there i mean there is a plot but the movie is sort of vignette based yeah uh my my notes ended up being just sort of a stream of consciousness so i could remember yeah. what happened and uh so the the first thing i, I wrote down that i thought was sort of funny is the i feel like the movie has a lot of the the really good absurdist humor that really makes me laugh and like lebowski and stuff yeah where you sort of let a scene wash over you and then as soon as it's over, you start questioning, like, w- what did that mean? Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and why do they do that? And it, 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 I like that the first scene in this is Spinal Tap is a documentary director walking you through what is clearly like a a studio, like yeah. a back lot with lights and stuff. Yeah. So, it, and an absurd number of ladders in the background, by the way. I don't <laughs> know if you noticed that, but there's a lot of
0: ladders around. <laughs>
1: like, so i thought like even even something like that is is a a nice subtle little joke in there yeah of just sort of this isn't this isn't exactly a documentary yeah 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 and then
0: they kind of i guess dive in in like mid-performance what's the first song they do isn't it it's not sex farm it's uh tonight i want to rock you yes tonight yes yeah (laughs) which i you know it's to this to this movie's credit that's a legitimately good song Mm -hmm. like i like that tune like i I mean it's 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 just most of the songs even like uh you
1: know big bottom like they're they're catchy (laughs) you know um yeah i I have the um i should have watched it but i have the the old criterion dvd that has commentary with the actual actors in character no not not this one like it's old and out of print you can't find it because they almost never talk about the movie like as actors in a movie they were in. Oh, really? They're always the characters. So it's actually interview footage of them talking about the prep work for it and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's cool. So it does add sort of a a whole interesting angle when you're not used to hearing any of that from them. But they, they, they talk about in those interviews that they didn't have any interest in writing bad music like yeah of course they wanted the songs to be goofy and funny and stuff yeah but they they're like we don't we don't see anything inherently funny about these guys being bad musicians so they were trying to write good stuff within that world yeah it's funny because i even now like you
0: know i've seen other christopher guest movies and stuff but i have to remind myself because of this that he's not british (laughs) <laughs> like I already knew Michael McKean and Harry Shearer because, you know, of Lverne and Shirley and The Simpsons. Sure. But like, this was the first thing I ever saw that Christopher Guest was in, even including The Princess Bride, which he's also British in. <laughs> um, and like I'm still not entirely convinced that
1: Christopher Guest isn't. In fact, I'll just ask you, is Christopher Guest British? <laughs> I think if you watch uh, Best in Show... It becomes clear as he's like, oh yeah, the no. flattest American you've ever seen. No, yeah, no, he's he's way
0: American in that, and even in winning for Guffman, like yeah, he's, yeah. he's pretty American in his way. Um, but yeah, I still I don't know if I believe you. Like, <laughs> I think he might be British. I think he might be fooling us all. It could he's, be. It's, uh... it's also his name, like
1: Christopher <laughs> Guest,
0: really like it's like it's like, an, that,
1: like an andy kaufman type uh double yeah, life going like on that, it's like
0: that 30 rock joke like really picture a guy named wesley snipes <laughs> like, uh, it's my favorite joke in 30 rock history uh, it's the yes. best gag they ever did that was an excellent one <laughs> uh, anyway um yeah so 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 what else you got
1: uh let's see. This this is just gonna come off as weird bullet points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah like I said, it's um, barely a movie.
0: Like <laughs> it's great, but it really is kind of barely a movie.
1: Yeah, I guess this was just a note to, to more absurdist stuff is I love that uh Marty DeBergie was knocked out by their punctuality. Yes. This <laughs> is why he was drawn to them. <laughs> uh, Which is
0: funny because they don't strike me as the kind of people who would be very punctual. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: yeah, especially considering they can't find the stage. Yeah. Um the next thing Which, I wrote oh, down. about
0: that, actually they, um, you know, one thing that I read about this, this movie after it came out was, you know, a whole bunch of bands saw it like Aerosmith and, you know, Daken and the scorpions and Judas priest, mm-hmm. all of those bands thought this movie, each one thought this movie was specifically about them. <laughs> like those dicks. They made a scorpions movie. Right. Right. Like, Cause like that, all of this stuff had happened to them at some point, mm-hmm. like the whole getting lost under the stage and just like the weird infighting <laughs> and, and all that. Uh, Uh, you know and that's just it's just another thing this damn movie gets right it just gets everything so so right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah they i mean i I don't know if it's that they were friendly beforehand or whatever but just showing the band sitting around hanging out is is magic (laughs) yeah absolutely and uh and it's to the to their credit also
0: that like the uh the drama also completely works like because this is is one thing that st- uh, struck me about the movie is like yeah it's, it's laugh out loud funny but there's also like a whole lot of like kind of pathos going on behind you know the the sort of weird love triangle that like uh you know nigel and david and janine have going on mm-hmm. and how you know uh christopher guest doesn't really have a place in that whole thing um <laughs> i guess it's jumping yeah, forward and david and david both have cold
1: sores which i
0: just remember <laughs> and it's never commented on and they keep moving around yeah
1: one of the reasons for their strange r rating i'm sure yeah <laughs> but uh I, I have read there's a lot more footage of that because i mean I, i've never watched it but I, I have the work print which i think is close to six hours long you have the, a six hour work print of spinal tap i mean it the it's a video clip i downloaded and the quality is awful so i've never sat down to watch we the whole should thing watch that oh i'd be down for it yeah uh, absolutely but i i have heard there's there's a lot more footage of uh hanging out with the cold sore groupie as she sort of passed between them and you see them forming
0: <laughs> over the course of the movie <laughs> did we did we ever meet the cold sore
1: groupie in the movie i don't think she's in it i think they just have cold sores yeah i mean you may see the actress around i don't think they had any shots sort uh. of getting at that <laughs> that is fantastic (laughs) so gross so so gross Uh, yeah the next thing I wrote down is smell the glove amazing yeah, so <laughs> smell the glove, God, and yeah, at that point they're at that uh, that
0: party. I guess the the whole thing starts in New York before they go on their big tour, and they're at that tour kickoff party with Fran Drescher being just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, almost almost forgiving her for the nanny, um, <laughs> based solely on this this movie and the way she like goes from like the smiling like hi, how are you to like being kind of a stone cold bitch uh-huh. at other points in the movie. <laughs> like you you can tell she's got kind of brass balls. Um, and then Billy Crystal just shows up. Um, <laughs> yeah yelling
1: at Dana Carvey yeah oh yeah he is yelling at Dana Carvey isn't he it's telling him that mime is money mime is money. yeah <laughs> oh, it's good it's so good well as, as you were saying of how sort of completely crafted the movie feels yeah I love the subtle joke of Fran Drescher introducing herself like three or four times before her subtitle credit pops up that she's Bobby Fleckman <laughs> like there's a lot of weird subtle little stuff in there like that <laughs>
0: yeah, that is pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but it, it, that scene also there's it's one of the few moments where you kind of get a little bit of uh the the artifice of the documentary kind of breaks down because you get this big overhead shot in the uh party scene that you totally wouldn't get in a documentary uh-huh. um there's, the kinds you see in reality tv today <laughs> yeah yeah like it's this it's this jib shot looking down on all these people and it's so staged but you know you forgive it because you know you're watching something so patently ridiculous <laughs> that you know it's fine um also harry shearer smokes a pipe and i like that um when Part they're the talking beat? when they're talking about their bad reviews and uh just sort of you know shrugging them all off and harry shearer's just smoking a pipe
1: okay that interview footage like of of all the really funny stuff in that movie that's like i wish i could have been there when they filmed that yeah of them sitting there for however many hours
0: you can't really dust for vomit <laughs> And the uh, shit sandwich.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You can't print that, can you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, God, it's so good and it's exactly how you watch like real musicians react to bad reviews like they're just i mean because you can kind of tell like it's defecting them like sure you Mm -hmm. look a little bit emotionally you can tell like you know nigel and david especially are both like oh man like we're not we're not the guys we thought we were Mm -hmm. um but they have to go like hey you know we're just having a good time like i think the only member of the band who's really okay with everything going on around him is keyboardist viv savage (laughs) have a good time all All the the time time. yeah (laughs) that's all he says in the whole movie (laughs) oh it's so great uh yeah he's the only one who's like no like this i'll totally let this be my life that's fine (laughs) like i don't need to make anything meaningful i don't have to go on a jazz odyssey like this is just gonna be what we do
2: um
1: it's fantastic (laughs) and uh, i'm not sure if i have the quote written down anywhere but one of my favorites was the um, talking about the waning popularity
2: yeah I was like, oh
1: no 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 it's it's their their audience becoming more, more selective, selective.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so i mean and it's it's the the whole party scene and the fact that we cut to the the uh, review footage between it like really sort of brings together the the house of cards that you know is going to fall down while you watch the movie mm-hmm. like you can tell that, like, everybody's really optimistic about this, but we all kind of have to be, you know, that, like, this album's going to do well and this tour is going to do well because if it doesn't, like, this band is over, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's the feeling you get. Like, it sort of sets up the stakes in a really nice, oblique kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that when they go out on tour, like, you have an idea that there's a little bit of quiet desperation behind it. Yeah. And, and you kind of know what's going to break. So, again, like, yeah, it's a really funny comedy, but they're doing dramatic things you Mm -hmm. know to set up the drama of it in a really really nice way so then they get out on the road and i guess the uh it pretty quickly starts going awry i think the first thing i remember is you know gigs starting to get canceled (laughs) we're not playing boston don't worry it's not a big college town (laughs) i love ian yeah no, ian's fantastic with his cricket bat (laughs) and sure he's bad at his job but he's not as bad at it as janine is um (laughs) And that's like, it, I feel like between leaving the party and like Janine showing up is when we get most of just like the gag centric stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like the setup with the dead drummers and
2: yeah. And the, the, the
0: whole like, uh, you know, them them talking just about like random stuff. Like we see a lot
1: of the archival footage with give me some money. With Ed Begley Jr. Yeah. It's <laughs> their original drummer. Oh God, that was that Begley Jr. Doing like the slowest snare drum taps imaginable. Yeah. Is he the one that exploded? Mm.
0: two of them exploded i mean
1: yeah i mean one exploded in movie and it yeah. wasn't him i can't remember or maybe that he was the one that died in a freak gardening accident <laughs> that feels like uh if they're yes ending what happened to all their drummers yeah the, uh, combustion seems like the second or third <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's hard to jump straight to that yeah
0: no, you can't start ed- with combustion
1: ed begley jr may have been the bizarre gardening accident <laughs> oh <laughs> Yeah, it's uh it's no good. Oh yeah, when they go to Graceland. Oh with God. the random
0: inserts. Yeah, no, I, the Graceland harmonizing is the my favorite scene in this whole movie. <laughs> like it just in terms of how funny it is. Like just listening to them try to get that right and it's just it's just perfect. But they they kind of throughout like this beginning part before Janine shows up, we just sort of get an idea of like I guess the main takeaway there is the 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 bubble of rock star bullshit that they live in while they're on tour and the fact that like they they're sort of insulated from again what the world actually thinks of these people Mm -hmm. um and they're insulated from the fact that they're regarded as a joke and like they're the the movie really plays well on the tension between wanting to be taken seriously as a musician and also being a guy who gets out of a plastic cocoon every night right like you you kind of can't have both of those things to a point
1: was it in the section of the movie where they they hear themselves on the radio as like in the where are they now file, <laughs> um, it's a little bit later. But I mean, that's oh, okay.
0: that's, that's after Janine shows up, and it's really really crashing down
1: around them. I see, and they're like, no, like we we have to face the reality of what we are. You yeah, know? I thought that was one great sequence, sort of uh, about what you're getting at, yeah. and also the um, running into is Duke fame. Yeah, the name duke of the, the other celebrity is, yeah,
0: this is this is when this happens uh-huh. um, around the beginning this is when they're in like louisville or something they're still on the east coast and uh
1: they run into duke fame and like <laughs> so, such a douche uh, <laughs> it's fantastic with yeah. uh, another one of my favorite lines where they're discussing um his album cover and why didn't he get any flack for it yeah and the uh it's, there's such a fine line between clever and stupid yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Uh, it's also this
0: is this is the section of the the movie where uh, the the, the, Nigel's got his uh, bit with the tiny bread. Oh my God. I've been working with this for half an hour. What What am I supposed to It's ridiculous. And then he sort of just so perfectly plays it off. He's like, no, but you know, it's silly. It's silly that I'm even saying anything. <laughs> like, the, the way, like, celebrities will complain about stupid bullshit and then try and be magnanimous. Yeah. And be like,
1: but I know it's stupid bullshit.
0: <laughs> but I also know I'm famous and I can complain about this if I want to.
1: But he, like, oh God, I forget exactly. But he, like, drops up mid-sentence and comes back. It's just a it's a fucking catastrophe. (laughs) Oh, that whole thing. And that he like, he's trying to understand how to make the sandwich. Yeah. It's like, but then it just keeps folding. Yeah, <laughs> folding the bread in half. <laughs> and then he shows uh, him
0: like, "What do you? Why don't you just do it like this?" He, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> like he's been shown a solution, and he just doesn't care, like a child. You know? And I know it's kind of it's kind of making fun of like the whole Van Halen no blue M and M's thing. But sure. like, and it's it's kind of a shame that Van Halen gets blamed for that. Because do you know the story behind the no blue M and M's thing?
1: Yeah, the, uh, ensuring
0: they've read the writer. <laughs> yeah, because they would hand people for everybody out there in internet land who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, David Lee Roth's rider, whenever Van Halen was touring, they were the first kind of people to take this uh, this really big act that would like build a stage and have lots of pyro and lights to these sort of third tier markets. Um, not like your New Yorks and L.A.s and your Chicago's, like these places that had never seen something like this before. And they were a little bit concerned that like the local crews would be able to handle it. So they would have this huge-ass rider with detailed instructions about all the gear that was going to be there and how to set it up and everything. And then they would include in it a little thing about how there damn well better not be any blue M&Ms in the <laughs> M&M jar. And so that was that was sort of the canary in the coal mine for them because they would get there and then, you know, David Lee Roth would look at the, uh, the M&M jar and if there were blue M&Ms in there, he would know they hadn't read the writer and then he would tell them to stop everything and then they would just have to tear everything down. And, like, they did that once and found, like, that the stage hadn't been assembled properly and if they had got on it, everybody would
1: have died. Yeah, yeah. like That, like, there wouldn't be enough power to get through <laughs> a set in general or yeah. the stage would have collapsed. Yeah, yeah totally. like All
0: kinds of shit got saved by, like, this thing that, you know, Everybody thinks it's just Prima donna rock star behavior. <laughs> I feel kind of bad for David Lee Roth. I mean, I generally don't feel bad for David Lee Roth. But, but this it sense, is a very
1: clever idea that most people don't understand.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's cool. But, you know, in this case, it's just Nigel being a, a, a bullshitty little rock star. Um, uh,
1: I guess yeah. in the standard tangential way uh, that we get off track. Um, yeah. Do you know sort of the... The, more of the realistic details about the uh, the McDonald's hot coffee thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's that's, that's the, the sad pictures. one where like whenever people just sort of dismiss that as like some greedy old woman or something it's like "Eh, third degree burns from coffee is a pretty big deal yeah that's not good that's not good (laughs) i've seen the
0: pictures yeah anyway that's all we'll say (laughs) um yeah oh i I wrote when you were talking about their appeal becoming more selective i wrote down i forgot about this but uh like in terms of getting a sense of them being beleaguered all i could think about while i was watching that was bon jovi in 1996 okay Just write, like, you know, this band that at some point maybe was kind of big. And, like, Bon Jovi's come back now. And I hear John Bon Jovi's a very nice guy. Mr. Bon Jovi, if you're listening, big fan of your work. Mm -hmm. Um, But if not, uh, I'm about to kind of take shit on your band in the mid-90s. But, you know, like, in 1996, 97, like, no one really gave a shit about Bon Jovi anymore. Mm -hmm. And, like, sure, like, I mean, he was, like, starring in romantic comedies and trying to make that work for himself. And being in, God, I think he was in Pay It Forward or something. Um yeah not a good time for him but anyway like that that, that's kind of what i kept thinking about was like you know your people are passing you by and sure your appeal is becoming more selective which basically means that all the people who used to really really like you still really really like you Mm -hmm. everybody else is listening to ska now because it's 1996 and that's what we did
1: yeah and i it's it's also sort of interesting that they're supposed to be a british band yeah so it's like not only are things not looking that great for them but if it's on an international tour you can sort of assume that like they went where they would hope it would be hottest and even there it's failing (laughs) yeah yeah
0: and then it all gets way worse when like midway through uh you know david's wife i guess she's his wife right i think they're they're not married but they've been together forever gotcha just that janine shows up and she's just full of shitty ideas like she she kind of takes like (laughs) the situation was bad until janine got there Mm -hmm. and then she starts contributing just patently awful ideas like she (laughs) the zodiac
1: signs are incredible
0: (laughs) signs god that's a dumb idea janine you stupid bitch (laughs) what the fuck were you thinking
2: oh
1: (laughs) I'm sure the, the,
0: the thing is like she really one thing I, 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 I that, that, that stuck out for me was uh, she really is like perfectly awful without being a bitch. Mm-hmm. like she's not like she seems nice and she seems like she means well she's just the worst right
2: like, <laughs>
0: she's just horrible to be around but like she is like a good-hearted person trying to make the situation better she's just completely misguided in all of her choices
1: <laughs> yes i have a bullet point for this is your crab face <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, your
1: crab face and uh but when when she gives michael mckean the the sweatshirt Oh, and God. he's trying not to wear it in front of the other guys. Uh, that kills me. Yeah, <laughs> poor bastard. Maybe he just mixed it in Doubly. Be fine. <laughs> oh. So I, I've heard some people think that what's being heavily implied is that uh, that Nigel and Janine had an affair at some point. Really and or you know like uh, a drunken knight or something and that's yeah. why it's sort of especially turbulent. I don't know if there's enough evidence there for that, but it's kind of fun to watch the movie with that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think
0: about that. I mean, the main thing I got was that, like, in a certain way, um, Nigel is a little bit in love with David. Sure. And, because David, of the two of them, definitely seems like the more stable one. Um, he, fe- You just feel like he has a little bit more going on. Like, of the two of them, I, th- you feel a little bit like he'd do better in a solo career. I mm-hmm. mean, it also helps that he's the singer. And so, like, I'm sorry, like, but when you're the singer, you're kind of the face of the thing, and it's a little bit easier to branch out, you know, ask me about the Joe Perry project, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) you know, that sort of thing, um... And not that, you know, Nigel's not absurdly talented. God, he has that, the mock piece. (laughs) It's called Lick My Love Pump. And it's, that joke wouldn't work if that weren't actually a fantastic piano sonata he plays. Like, it's really
1: good. Like, it's just gorgeous. I think of all the solo interviews that they do throughout the movie. uh, His are my favorite. Yeah, yeah.
0: They're 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 definitely definitely the best ones. I mean, that's, and we spend the most time with him doing the solo stuff because yeah. he's just an, a ridiculous little man. And it also, it's important in terms of the dynamics of the film because if that weren't there, then him being so antagonistic towards David and Janine wouldn't feel good. Like you wouldn't root for him the way you do if you didn't just spend time with this weird little elf and his guitar collection. <laughs> Don't even look at it. <laughs> Don't even just just look away. Just look away. <laughs> My favorite part of that scene is I'm pretty sure that's just a Telecaster that they're doing that with. Like, uh-huh. I have one of those. <laughs> like, it's really not that big a deal. <laughs> like,
2: uh, yeah. The sustain. Just the s- listen. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So Janine shows up and basically, I mean, I think doesn't like Ian really, really fuck something up like right after she gets there. And so she gets promoted to road manager and then it starts going really bad. Oh, yeah. He fucks up Stonehenge
1: oh is that what it was yeah Yeah, yeah, stonehenge
0: because the measurements are in inches not feet and so there's a tiny little midget dancing around a tiny little stonehenge (laughs) and everybody like that gag starts out not funny and then just gets funny through force of will it's like the kind of comedy family guy keeps trying to do uh and it just like it it started here it just works like (laughs) no we're all gonna watch this and then you're like okay we get it movie and the movie's like
1: no Watch, <laughs> like, well, I mean, in the Family Guy sense of like making a joke work by just pointing at it and saying it out loud. Yeah, uh, I think perhaps the best is a. I think that the problem may have been that there was a Stonehenge monument on the stage that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh it's so good!
1: Summary has never been so good. Yeah, no, it's 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 perfect. It's perfect. I guess um, something something I skipped over just real quick while talking about the yeah. live performances i I don't think I ever noticed before that like big bottom is all base, yeah, which is funny but that um, Harry Shearer has a double-necked bass. Yes, yes, he does. <laughs> so he needs to be scaled up to be <laughs> even more of a bass player than the yeah. other two.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can't just all be the bass players. That's not okay, yeah. And that's, you know, it's it's weird to kind of try and fit those performances in the chronology, because each one, like, sure, Big Bottom happens, and that's hilarious. And then there's, like, the little vignettes with him getting lost under the stage and everything, and just seeing the maintenance guy over and over. Who's <laughs> like he that gag works because of how normal that guy is. <laughs> right. like, pretty sure that's just the guy who works in that building and they're uh-huh. like be in the movie and he's like okay um my favorite one of all of them though is the one with harry Shearer getting stuck in the thing um in the pod yeah getting stuck in the pod and then it's it's funny and it's funny and it's funny and then it gets hilarious when he finally gets out at the end and then the song's over his triumphant fist yeah, in the like, air there's this dude fucking like <laughs> with a blowtorch behind it and everything oh god it's so good <laughs> oh yeah good yeah. stuff no Derek. Yeah. Derek smalls is always kind of trying to make the best of the situation <laughs> like he's he's like lukewarm water um, <laughs> uh, yes it's fantastic so yeah they like ian fucks up stonehenge and then they uh they give janine the road manager job basically because david's just like no we should do it it'd be great and like what are you gonna say to him like no she's she's an idiot don't do that like, right right like you can hear you can see nigel kind of saying uh like backing off of it and just being like i'm just not gonna do this right now mm-hmm. um
1: well especially when the tour is going so bad like yeah. there's not a lot you can say <laughs> i told them it needed to be spinal tap and puppet show <laughs> like, oh you guys
0: um yeah so they she's trying to get basically at this point like they're getting you know cancellations due to lack of ticket sales like just a whole bunch everything's going wrong and like janine's just trying to find them any venue to play in so that they end up playing you know at a six flags um which is (laughs) about as bad as it can get Mm -hmm. um and at that point i think uh
1: nigel quits the band right um is it they do is it the air force base thing the air force base is what yeah is. with fred willard yeah because yeah. that's the um the interference on the wireless unit so unit throws yeah. the guitar down <laughs> yeah which uh which can actually happen
0: on an fm unit um those things um i mean pretty much everybody who plays live uh in a big setting that's that's how those things work like uh they're they're pretty easy to buy they basically uh it's a quarter inch out I'm getting a little technical here but it's kind of mm-hmm. cool it's a quarter inch out that goes to a little unit that sits on top of your amp that transmits a little short range fm signal and then this little pack sits on the back of your guitar strap and that goes via quarter inch into your guitar mm-hmm. and so your guitar goes into the thing that uh that transmits the signal the receiver sitting on top of your amp which the signal then goes into the amp and yeah I mean it's it's, it's you know pretty pretty decent way to get something uh, like that going but if you have another fm signal really close by like if you try to do this say on top of a radio station that's not going to work out well for you Mm -hmm. um i mean it's not going to pick up just like regular fm radio because it's on a different frequency but you know if uh if the air force thing like that all of this is a really long long long-winded way of saying that gag works because that could totally happen right <laughs> like i love how little they had to make up to make that gag work mm-hmm. um you know this isn't a crazy little made-up gadget no that's a, that's an fm unit like it's a standard piece of equipment <laughs> yeah um it's fantastic and poor poor fucking nigel um has to deal <laughs> with that it, isn't it What like what, there's some sort of like false pretense that like janine roped him into with that gig though isn't there like remind me because the idea is that they uh they ended up playing basically like uh the 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 officers dance and like being asked to play like a jitterbug or something
1: yeah I'm, I'm trying to remember i mean i know fred willard uh in one of my favorite cuts in the entire movie uh asks for a slow song so that uh, he can dance with his wife yeah and then it cuts to working on a sex farm
2: <laughs> being screamed into the mic yeah
1: um i remember that I remember they tell them that they they're going up at like uh, 1900 hours and yeah. they're trying to calculate how many days away that is. <laughs> and uh but yeah, I I'm, I'm trying to remember sort of how they got the gig or whatever. Yeah,
0: I f- I forget exactly what it is, but the the point is that they that Nigel's they, they've they shown up to like two or three gigs at this point, and n- none of them, all of them have been organized by Janine, and none of them are what they expected, mm-hmm. and it's just sort of driving home even more like that this last chance tour is just sort of turning into a complete disaster. Also, around this point in the movie was when I noticed that Nigel really likes Gumby.
1: Oh, like, he's on all the shirts and stuff. Yeah, he's got
0: Gumby on all the shirts. At one point, he has a little Gumby sitting in his shirt pocket. Like he's just got Gumby around all the time. It's never commented on or anything. It's kind of weird, um, but I really, really like it. It's a cool. Uh, it, it's a cool little idea. Um, but yeah, oh, God. And then there's the thing where he's playing the show and he starts, uh, he's doing his crazy solo. Like, cause they ask, like, you know, how do you express yourself in the band? And he said, Nigel says, well, I mainly do that through my, my solos. And then he plays that crazy ass solo where he's like kicking the violin
2: and then re-
1: <laughs> and then reaches down and tunes it and kicks it some more. Yeah. What makes that whole thing work? Yeah. Is tuning the violin. To kick it. Oh, it's so, so good.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. And then they have the scene where they're just fighting in the studio around the same time as the Air Force gig Mm -hmm. Um, because they tried to, like, lay some tracks because, like, their gigs got canceled. So, like, let's book some studio time and try and do something. And uh, Nigel and David start fighting about Janine like you would because she's ruining everything. Um, And then, uh, yeah, Nigel quits
1: and uh, they end up deciding they're going to do Jazz Odyssey. (laughs) Yeah. um, Thing I wrote down uh, is that I remember was when uh, ian is refusing to work with janine the quote that that got me is a, uh, he's not managing the band with any girl especially one who dresses like an australian's nightmare
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah janine's got a real like sort of thrift store stevie nicks thing going on <laughs> it's it's not it's not working for anybody no yeah poor girl poor <laughs> poor tragic sad awful girl um
1: <laughs> does that actress did she do much i don't think else. so
0: um you know she's uh I'm, I'm sure she shows up like in the background of like you know a mighty wind or something like right. that like everybody does eventually mm-hmm. um,
1: um she got replaced with jennifer coolidge or something yeah
0: probably <laughs> um she is i'm just uh imdb stalking <laughs> Yep. there's no 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 this is some compelling fucking radio here (laughs) um oh billy crystal's name in the movie was morty the mime Uh, (laughs) and for anybody who was wondering
1: that sounds uh, right for a mime who's managing another smaller mime
0: (laughs) another smaller (laughs) mime oh that's a sad thing to say (laughs) Uh, yeah um i can't find her in here yeah maybe she just dropped off the face of the earth that was the end of her forever
1: sorry <laughs> I'm assuming this is a Nigel line but I wrote down oh we've got a bigger dressing room than the puppets <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, oh here we go uh, yeah her name's June Chadwick and she was in V um, she's also in some other stuff that doesn't matter some stuff <laughs> in the 90s a lot of TV stuff hmm. uh, yeah she was in Going to Extremes which i'm assuming was some british thing she's an episode <laughs> of murder she wrote yeah not a lot going on for june chadwick Just um
1: went to cabot cove and that's it
0: yeah <laughs> once to cabot cove and that's about it you know they're talking about re uh, rebooting it i heard about with, that with uh, with what's her name from the help
1: um I, I know who you're talking about yeah um so yeah that
0: might happen america <sighs> yeah why why i mean it's been in reruns for forever just show those guys save yourself some money yeah that's true just just bring those back around it will be fine
1: (laughs) i just don't know that it's something people want to watch
0: yeah like a procedural about i mean if people do want to watch it they're just going to go watch murder she wrote (laughs) like it's comforting you know like (laughs) no one wants to watch a new golden girls where they're like sassy and texting or whatever no we watch the golden girls because it's a time capsule yeah like it
1: reminds us of a time when you know we weren't all poor (laughs) and because mitch Hurwitz's name is on it it is yep on the golden girls yeah that was what he worked on like or in the early days huh
0: that's nuts yeah him (laughs) joss whedon over on roseanne (laughs) yeah yeah it works and that wasn't judd apatow roseanne i think he might have been yeah yeah Yeah, roseanne had a lot of good people roseanne i you know it's funny because i never really watched roseanne but i hear it's just fantastic Mm -hmm. everybody who's who grew up on it says it's just really really good stuff
1: i watched it when i was young i haven't seen it in years and years though yeah oh well anyway roseanne's not in this movie so fuck it
0: <laughs> um yeah so we, we skipped around a whole bunch but basically at this point like uh nigel's not in the band they decided to do da- to do jazz odyssey uh david and Derek smalls they can finally do the thing they always wanted to do which is apparently jazz odyssey <laughs> and it's to like eight people in like a, a, a six flags amphitheater and it's horrible it's as horrible <laughs> as you think it's gonna be but it's kind of perfect like the thing that it made me think about the whole time was when kiss put out those four solo records and also did music from the elder do you know about music from the elder uh-huh so kiss you know when they came out like they, they really knew what they were they uh you know there were some makeup wearing hard partying guys who wrote dumb songs about getting laid and driving cars and drinking
1: so they knew they were a gimmick
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, they were very aware of it. Sure. Um, But then they got really successful and they started going, well, we could like do something. So they wrote a concept album called Music from the Elder about like man's need for heroes or something. Like, this was after they starred in Kiss meets the Phantom of the Amusement Park or whatever it was called. And that was cool because it's like the guys in Kiss having superpowers and fighting people, Mm -hmm. which they're already cartoons. That's fine. Like, Kiss is fine as long as it's ridiculous. But then it started taking (laughs) itself seriously. Same thing with Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is fine as long as they know they're ridiculous. Sure but as soon as they start going no no we're making art you're like oh fuck you no we're not doing this this is not what you're for it's for the Thamesmen. yeah that is for the Thamesmen to do just sing give me some money um but yeah that's that's it just made me think about music from the elder or like those four solo records that the kiss guys put out um it was all very very bad stuff
1: and uh hopefully one day they'll put out their was a jack the ripper um you're a
0: naughty one (laughs) Jack. Jack. (laughs) that's right yeah maybe they'll put that out too you know every band at some point has these terrible terrible ideas and you know it's 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 just not a good idea to follow those muses like (laughs) don't take yourself too seriously just write some stuff you know mm-hmm. if you're kiss or if you're spinal tap just just write <laughs> some stuff and i think it's uh i don't remember exactly at what point when does nigel come back cuz i think he comes back like just to like watch a gig or something right
1: yeah i think they're like playing the last show on the tour or something yeah. and he comes back and he talks to them backstage beforehand yeah about the the japanese tour right yeah that it's popular in japan yeah and then he joins them on stage and it cuts into the japanese performance yeah
0: yeah and that's that last moment between nigel and david before they go out and do the show is the other point like it cuts into a very like uh cinematic coverage style for a second where if this was a documentary like you wouldn't have a two-camera setup like that mm-hmm. and it just it's the other time it stuck out to me like wait we're not we're watching a fake thing and <laughs> right. it's really interesting that rob reiner made that choice to like get both of their faces that way rather than just you know blocking a two-shot or something
2: mm-hmm.
0: um just to, because it does you know kind of break the illusion for a minute but i guess he felt like it was important enough to get you know both of their faces Um, Mm -hmm. you know in like some kind of close up and then we go, you know, back into the thing, and we're like, okay, now we're still watching a documentary, I guess. And then, you know, Nigel comes out and he plays a solo, and everybody's happy, and it's it's way way cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this this definitely was one of the harder ones to synopsize of all the ones we've done. Yeah. Since you know, it's 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 really probably like forty five minutes of actual plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the rest of it's just silliness,
1: inspired silliness. Oh, it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess just the the last little thing I wrote down was uh, when Nigel was still gone, and they're discussing at the park about all the free time they have now yeah and the uh people should be envying us i envy us yeah me too <laughs> what a wonderful exchange
0: <laughs> i completely forgot about that it's like there are all these little lines that are delivered with such a straight face that like you don't even think of them as jokes until after <laughs> the fact and you're like wait like no one would say that <laughs> that's silly <laughs> you're silly silly little men oh no it's it's so so damn good and then you know they go off to japan and then their drummer explodes yeah like he keeps doing (laughs) um i think didn't they make another spinal tap movie like some other thing in like the 90s or something
1: i have a disc that is called the return of spinal tap yeah that was a live show so it was a concert film but they they filmed a few little inserts of them like going around the neighborhood where they grew up and like you know making up stories as they point around and stuff so it's it's a fun little thing to watch once it's yeah. it's not like a sequel or something yeah mm-hmm.
0: so here's my question for you I guess um, does this movie hang together to you as a movie like you know it's a fun experience it's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of really good gags but like do you feel like it acquits itself well like as as a do you feel like you've been taken on a journey with these characters and do you feel like they've changed at the end
1: I don't know that it necessarily has something meaningful to say in like in a narrative way i mean some of the band stuff is interesting of just sort of shining a light on you know like the obvious sort of yoko ono influence and that kind of stuff um i think it's definitely effective storytelling and that i even said earlier like it it threw me off as a kid like i didn't quite know what to make of it just because it's an interesting take on it yeah. And I feel like that's sort of that makes it a more interesting, dynamic storytelling thing. Yeah. I mean whether it's you know whether it sort of checks all the boxes on on what makes something a movie yeah. is a little more up for grabs. But I certainly think it's worth watching in a in a cool I don't know, project. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah.
0: It's it's 100% worth watching. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wasn't trying to cast dispersions on it or anything like that. I still think it's really, really good. I just... It, you know, the interesting thing to me is that when you really break it down, like in terms of just the plot i mean the main the main when i say the plot the main thing i'm referring to is like okay these guys go on a tour they're a band on its decline the tour doesn't go well uh you know they get yokoed uh, it causes sp- strife in the band uh the guitar player leaves then he comes back and the yoko is put in her place and that's pretty much the plot of the movie yeah um that story has been told a lot of times <laughs> like that's a very very typical rock band narrative like we've seen
1: that in a ton of other
0: movies Mm -hmm. i haven't Um, seen
1: almost famous in years but i'm gonna guess that's like at least 50 (laughs) percent. it's pretty close yeah Yeah. (laughs) um yeah
0: so that we should watch almost famous for this at some Mm -hmm. point um i haven't seen almost famous in forever but it's the kind of movie that like 19 year old john found very profound (laughs) um yeah uh (laughs) but the uh the thing that's interesting about it is like i said that's that's a pretty rote sort of you know thing to be talking about but it's also very um interestingly told and the fact that what's surrounding it is so funny makes it a lot easier to accept the uh it, it masks that this is a little bit of a cliche story because you know the mm-hmm. things that trigger the movement in the plot like the little tiny stonehenge or like the zodiac stuff or like you know spinal tap and puppet show those are really funny ideas mm-hmm. um they're moving the plot along in a really predictable way like at no point i think do you, does anyone doubt that nigel's going to come back to the band at the end mm-hmm. but you just don't care because you're right. being because everything surrounding it is so much fun and you're having such a great time and these characters are so fully realized like they 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 didn't need more of a plot than that you Mm could have just all you had to do was take these funny funny caricatures and then just give them this barest hint of humanity and they feel so fully realized
1: and also like the it's it's worth mentioning that they're trying to mimic a documentary which you know if you filmed a documentary and it came out just like a movie where everyone has character arcs and stuff i would assume that you manufactured that yeah no you catfished me so (laughs) yeah exactly so um so I think to to a certain degree it's probably that also. Yeah. Of if they're if they're trying to make it look at least a little bit like a real documentary. Yeah. I mean it it shouldn't have like three acts and that kind of stuff.
0: No, that's true. Mm. That's true.
1: It uh it,
0: it, it, it would feel more artificial if they did uh, that. And it does I mean the movie does work a little bit better as a series of gags than it does as a film. Mm-hmm. I mean, it works pretty well as both, but like I think you can watch it and take away that like the filmmakers intent was the gags were the thing that they cared about the most. Mm-hmm. And then like the the humanity of the characters was the and 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 all the other stuff, the drama that's happening is kind of there to make the gags feel even more rewarding Mm -hmm. like the because the gags you know they're fantastic but if they were just happening to characters we didn't care about if we didn't feel like the puppet show or the the stuff at the air force base like wasn't you know taking these characters farther away from their goal we we wouldn't be laughing as hard
1: like like if it was isolated as a sketch about yeah exactly you know jackass rock band it wouldn't have the same impact
0: yeah because we're 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 laughing in sympathy because we've we've Mm -hmm. come to like these guys at this point and like they seem like okay dudes like they're self-important perpetually adolescent blowhards
1: (laughs) but they're not bad guys they're just kind of idiots Um, (laughs) you know but there are idiots (laughs) i'm trying to remember what the scene was where they discussed like the the racism or like the racial makeup of their audience it was like uh well we don't literally say that we don't literally mean it but <laughs>
0: anyway yeah no i think it was something about you know metal music primarily ap- appealing to a white audience mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> it kind of does uh, it's it's teenage white guys that's who listen to us <laughs> and it's fine but you know they 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 it's interesting to me that they stay so likable given how unlikable they are mm-hmm. um to to coin a phrase <laughs> no because they they really are like just repugnant like they sound like they, they seem like the kind of guys that i really really wouldn't want to hang out with like they're sure. self-important they're pseudo-spiritualist they're spoiled <laughs> they're spoiled they uh they take themselves way way too seriously um but they still like seem like good-hearted dudes trying to succeed and they're in just like you know their little balloon is about to be punctured and you're gonna watch it and you feel bad for them mm-hmm. because you also feel like they're not really prepared for that (laughs) you know and they're not they're not really hurting anybody with their cheeky little antics
1: right i mean they, they they rarely seem like malicious yeah in any of this stuff they just seem sort of oblivious and selfish yeah Um, and that's why it's key to have that
0: that scene of them reacting to those uh, reviews so early in the things it's like yeah like sure they get crapped on but you see them laughing and like trying to play it off and you're like oh wow these guys like really kind of don't like where they are like I think in a pretty fundamental way like they're they're not that happy Mm -hmm. any of these guys um or at least nigel and david like i think derek doesn't really care and viv is ecstatic
1: um (laughs) he's having a good time they wish it was back in the intravenous de milo (laughs) days yes (laughs) that's when this band meant something (laughs) yeah
0: intravenous de milo uh it's no rock and roll creation Uh, (laughs) he saw that it was good
2: that's the the music
0: from the elder
1: stuff right (laughs) there (laughs) in the um in the Stonehenge thing uh, the Christopher Guest speech about the Druids—it <laughs> slays me.
0: Nobody knows who they were or what they were doing. <laughs> it's the pause after what that makes it.
1: Uh, the what they yeah. were doing, like that—that yeah. that just comes to me at the weirdest times. Yeah. Like whenever someone says something kind of off kilter, <laughs> that flashes in my mind. Or what
0: they were doing. <laughs> i know how they danced (laughs) (laughs) the little people of stonehenge (laughs) oh Oh, god he's so he's so so damn funny i mean he's i think he's everybody's favorite character in the thing is nigel i mean in in a real way like you watch the movie it is kind of nigel's story Mm -hmm. um in terms of like you know we spend the most time with him we spend the most solo time with him and we also kind of uh watch him reacting to these things a little bit more than we react we watch David reacting to it because mm-hmm. he's the guy with the most to lose like David like I said before, like if he didn't have this band he'd still have Janine he'd still like be able to put something together for a life like if Nigel doesn't have spinal tap, nigel is dead in a gutter like (laughs) right it could get really bad for him Mm -hmm. you know and he's he's like a he's like a little elf man he's not prepared for that you want to protect him can't take him anywhere put his gum on things (laughs) (laughs) he'll
1: just put gum on things (laughs) oh they they really are awful but lovable i don't get it i mean he even has one of my favorite quotes in the whole movie is the the closing quote where he's asking you know they they ask christopher guess what he'd be doing if he wasn't in Spinal Tap and he says maybe he could work in like a haberdasher or a chapeau shop <laughs> yeah. and it's uh, but the the delivery is just so perfect I'm yeah. sure I won't get it but uh-huh. the like um, and you think you could be happy doing something like well, what are the hours? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end. Yeah. And that's perfect. Yeah, I know it's definitely
0: perfect. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think we agree. Watch Spinal Tap. Watch it all the time. Watch it forever. <laughs> uh, I hope we did it justice. It really is like it, this is definitely the toughest movie to talk about of all the ones we've talked about so far because it just there's there's just not a lot to it, but there's a whole lot to it. Mm-hmm. That was a stupid thing to say. I'm sorry,
2: Internet.
1: Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll go ahead and cop to it since I chose this one that more than a, a a specific purpose i just love this movie and like talking about it yeah, so it felt yeah. like as as good of one as any <laughs> yeah no that's what this podcast is about it's an excuse to talk about the things we already like <laughs>
0: but that's not what we're gonna do next time guys <laughs> next time we're gonna talk about something we're pretty sure we don't like mm-hmm. um it was my turn to pick one and i've needed to kind of revisit something since it happened <laughs> um i went through a really traumatic experience you guys <laughs> like um, a couple years ago over the summer um, there's this uh, this guy I really looked up to, and he'd been gone for a while, and then he came back. And uh, he just wasn't really the same. It was like something had changed in him. You know, he, he, he wasn't coherent anymore when he talked. <laughs> he was hardly around. Um, there were just these other assholes that were around, and when he came around, he wasn't really the same. He had kind of a limp. Um, and then finally, you know, the last time we hung out, he just like flew off and looked like he died but then everybody said he was alive but it didn't really make any sense
2: <laughs>
0: we're talking about the dark knight rises um i was trying to do a bit i don't know how successful that was but <laughs> i enjoyed it yeah no it uh it, it, it the movie This is a movie that hurt me more than almost any other movies ever hurt me like i've seen some <laughs> shitty movies but this is the first time i can really think of uh off the top of my head that like i saw a really shitty movie following one of my favorite movies the dark knight um Mm -hmm. by all the same creators you know this isn't x-men 2 to x-men 3 where like brett ratner came aboard and you're like oh clearly ratner like he shits on everything that's good in the world so okay (laughs) like i get that this is what should have this is what i should have expected but no this is the all the same people coming together to shit the bed
1: post inception so you know that he probably had carte blanche yeah I mean. no
0: absolutely um and i have a lot of theories about why this movie uh sucks as bad as it does or maybe i'll watch it and realize that no my my friend wasn't what had changed maybe it was me that had changed you know <laughs> and the little daniel stern voiceover will come on i'll make out winnie cooper a little bit and then joe Cockrell will sing or uh, worse outcomes yeah you know <laughs> it could be fine um you know i'll grow up as america grows up you know <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to watch The Wonder Years now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be fun. We'll revisit it, see if it makes more sense the second time around. Um, probably won't. But uh, <laughs> until then, go watch Spinal Tap like four or five times. And then watch The Dark Knight Rises. And then watch Spinal Tap again. Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks.
1: All right, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.